Good afternoon. How are you, Richard? Afternoon. I'm good. Good. Uh, so, for anybody watching out there, if you're tuning in, uh, welcome to the Wealth Creation Show, episode 32. Wow, episode 32. We're halfway there. Said we'd do this for a year, 52 episodes. We've got 20 other episodes to do. If yeah. you're out there and you want us to talk about something specific to you, uh, which actually might be a really good subject, which leads us on to something else, then please feel free to do this. Listen as well. Hit that like button. Comment if you like as well. It helps the engagement and the social presence and that reach with other people because they get to see it as well. Remember, this is all about a rising tide lifts all ships. It's not about keeping information to ourselves. Hence the reason why we do this um, as a part of it's roughly three. There's no upsell in this at all, is there, Richard? Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's it's, it's really like um, it is for you guys listening, uh, and for us as well. As I say, I've, I've learned quite a lot doing these gym uh, over the last obviously thirty odd episodes or whatever, um, and uh, I think it's really good to keep it interactive. So please ask questions. The topic today is quite uh, is quite an interactive topic, and we've got some of the main points to look at uh, and discuss this afternoon. The mother of skill is repetition. Yeah. Um, that's really what it comes down to because the more you repeat something, the more you reinforce it with yourself, the more you will actually learn how to do it more skillfully in that process. And this is why we often talk about the same thing possibly over and over again. And I know it's easy for us to say, Richard, yeah, we spoke about that last week and everything like that. But for somebody out there for the first time, it's the first time they've heard it. So it's important to keep going over it again because it even reinforces it with us. Yeah. And therefore, it, it, you remember it and retention's a lot better up there. And it is the it is preparation um, for the point of readiness because that's when the opportunity appears. Yeah. So the million-dollar question is to all landlords. How do I make my property investment more profitable without actually increasing the rent that's the key here, because a lot of people out there jump yeah. on this wagon straight away and say, you're just trying to increase the rent, that's no fair, you irresponsible landlords. But this is not what we're wanting to talk about today. It's not just about increasing the rent. Um, I mean, that could really come back to haunt you as well, because as you continue to increase that rent, if that's the only one trick that you've got in your toolkit, um, the, the, there comes a time where that rent becomes inconceivable. Therefore, you've actually uh, possibly refinanced up to that based on that rent level. So that rent level then begins to realign to a lower rate. You're screwed. Mm -hmm. in, a, in a nutshell, you've basically gone, you're, you're, in, you're in a very vulnerable position as a landlord. So it's not all about that. There's other ways to do this. Um, I mean, there's several in, uh, there's several wasted instances to do it when you, you know, when you look at this. Um, so, um, you know, when you look at increasing rents, um, yeah. there's several ways to do this, Richard. What, what, I mean, what has happened to the market? Points and times where a rent increase is probably the way that you're considering moving forward if you're a landlord or an investor or, or obviously an agent dealing with a portfolio for someone. Obviously, mm. like at the moment, the market uh, has risen and a lot of people are looking at, right, okay, well, let's realign our rental values in line with the current demand and what the, what the market is uh, dictating. Um, obviously, if they start to skyrocket in an area, then that's what you're going to look at. You will, of course, need now, to... Can, I just, can I just say at that point in time, though, when you when you think about the logic behind this, um, mm -hmm. it is kind of right to do it just now because the cost of finance is actually increasing. Yeah. And inflation's increasing as well. And you can't expect someone... Like, at the end of the day, we are in a business. 
Yeah. It's people business. It's not really the property business, it's people business. But there is a point where you have to then say, I can't continue to absorb these costs. Mm -hmm. um, I have to pass these costs on. And just like any consumer, um, at the retail price, um, you would actually increase your prices. So that's why most landlords will increase their rents um, for that reason, because the cost to them becomes more prohibitive. They have to pass that cost on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and quite rightly so, like you say, Jim, it is a business and things at the end of the day. If you are going to implement uh, rent increases, they do need to be within, obviously, what the, the, the current market is predicting. And also, it pays a lot to have that conversation with your tenant. Don't just drop a, a note to them and say your rent's going up. Do you know, have that conversation with them. And with the new private residential tenancy that, that is rolled out and the majority of tenancies are on in Scotland, you do need to provide them with the right amount of notice, which at the moment is three months to implement a, a rent increase. And that needs to be done in writing and things. So there, there is all the proper ways when, to do that. When is the best time to increase a rent if you are actually going to do a, an increase in rent? I mean, ideally, do it in between tenancies. It's a really good time to do it. But if you've yeah. got long-standing long tenants, then, I mean, Jim, you've got people that have been in there 10 plus years that I've managed. Um, and, and, but they naturally, they will, they will expect the rent to increase at certain points in time throughout that tenancy. And that's yeah. obviously just a, a, an expectation that all tenants that are long-term should uh, be aware of. But yeah, ideally, do it in between tenancies um, if you can't. But if you're, if you're wanting to have long-term tenants and things, then it needs to be done intermittently and done correctly with the right notices. It's like what you say, I've actually done, I've actually not increased the rents over these years. Yeah. Uh, but I've done the improvements that I've done, but we've also done what we're going to talk about here. Is I've, I've managed to make things more efficient that I've not I've not I've not then been able, I've not done that out of recourse because I thought well I'm still making a good margin mm -hmm. um, you know is at a point where you actually just go right to the top and squeeze somebody as much as possible and probably the answer to that is you know your occupancy rate is probably more important than yeah. and we're going to talk about that as well aren't we mm -hmm. it's more important than actually increasing the rent just a few pounds because yeah. um, and we'll, we'll come on to that anyway uh, why why are other reasons why you would increase the rents i mean i mean like you just mentioned there is, is renovations jim and we've done that on a few year ones recently that are long-term tenants we've done renovations one good example is one that we've done renovations on and you didn't really um change the rent drastically or anything because like you say you were still making money on it it was long overdue to be done so a new kitchen i think we put a new kitchen new heating system and things but subsequently the tenant has now moved on and we've yeah. relayed that property at higher rent in between the tenancy. Yeah, that's where it did work, isn't it? Because yeah. that, so the, the existing tenant had got that benefit of the, the lower rent with yeah. all these massive improvements. I mean, that was mm -hmm. a big amount of money. Um, well, let's be honest, I, you know, I do put a lot of money into refurbishments. Um, and, uh, and often I don't really now be clinical about it and say, oh, well, what's my return on that investment if I get that increased rent? But you can't actually do that, can't you? Like, for example, if you're getting another £50 a month, there's £600 a year. Yeah. So if you're putting 10000 into the refurbishment and you're getting another £60 a month, then it's effectively a 6% yield. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that, that one in question, when I... Actually, no, no, I'll stand corrected. That's £50 a month, 6% yield. £60 a month is a 7.2% yield. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that, that one in question... When I went in between the tenancies to check, I had a look at the property and I thought, God, this looks really nice. We'll easily get a much higher rent than what was being paid before because we'd already yeah. done the improvements. Eh? And obviously then, thus, you're, you're getting a better return on that one now with the new tenant. 
But also, also when you carry out repeated renovations and keep everything up to standard, you, you're going to have a more long-term tenant, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's key to keeping a, a good long-term relationship with a tenant. And, and ultimately, like we say, it, it comes down to having good occupancy rate, good relationships with your tenant, and doing repairs and keeping the place up to standard and things is all, it all comes part and parcel with that. Yeah. What, are, what other things that you would look at, like, reasons to increase the rent there? I mean, reasons to increase the rent or have um, additionals to the up onto the rent to make it slightly higher. I mean, we've got properties right across Fife and some of them come with gardeners and some of them come with, I mean, some people include uh, utilities and things depending, depending on the setup of the property. So that's incorporated into the rent and so it makes it a wee bit slightly higher. But obviously that's all pre-agreed. Uh, we hope that they didn't increase utilities now, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. But we've got we've got some that are uh, we've got some properties that are actually connected to the owner's house and they, yeah. they, they all run off the same utilities, so it's worked out that way. So um, there is instances in that where it's incorporated in the rent. Um, but it, but it's important to do that, isn't it? I mean, for example, some of the the four four of the properties I've got at Mill Street and Kirkcaldy, yeah. um, they actually come with factors already. Mm -hmm. So all that's looked after for you in a common repair. So it's justifiable then to say, look, you know, this is a normal rent for this type of property, but because you've got a factor that does everything for you, then obviously that should be passed on as well. Um, yeah. You can't expect then for a, for someone else to absorb that because they're, they're there to do that job. Now, if they want to do it themselves, fair enough, but generally it's, it comes with the factor and that's been explained up front. Um, yeah. So you're absolutely right. I mean, these providing these additional amenities um, and additional services is actually incorporating the rent, and and that's probably the best thing to do. Um, what other things, you know, why, why, let me think about this, why, could I word this in a different way, why would be increasing the rent um, could be a bad thing to do? You know, can we talk about some of these things? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few instances where it's probably not the right decision to make it, and I know while investors obviously regularly watching the market and they're continually readying themselves to increase the rent um, your tenant might not be expecting that um, and an increase might negatively impact the amount of money they have each week and that that all falls yeah. in obviously we've done the whole um beating the uh, obviously the the crisis at the moment with obviously the utilities and things like that. people's affordability is just not the same um, and if you hike the rent up um then i would be i would, I would approach that with a bit of caution um especially if your tenant's not going to expect it the, the thing is you could ultimately you could lose your tenant and if you've got a really good tenant um and that's for the smallest increase in rent you upset that tenant and they move on then the increase might not materially be useful to you as much as what like the tenant yeah. would be in place let um, me explain that in a bit more detail so people yeah. understand that let's look at numbers then yeah okay so you're trying to get another what maybe 20 pound a month out of someone yeah. So that would equate to around about £240 a year. But if you lose your tenant mm -hmm. and you take another month to relet it, then you've lost maybe the £450 you had in the first place because that's the one month lost. And then you've also got the new the fees, fees to actually yeah. put a new tenant in. So you're another, possibly another £450. So you're up at £900, all because you were trying to get away with getting another £240. Now, £240 comes to around about four years to get that money back, mm -hmm. just to break even on what you've just done. If that tenant was happy where they were, was it really worth the effort of risking that in order to do that? So that's why you have to have a really good letting agent who is able to advise you if that should be the right course of action or not. 
mm-hmm. um, in these instances. It's not the right thing just to go straight to a letting agent and go, go and put the value, go and put the rents up because I can't afford it anymore. You need to listen to your letting agent and actually um, l- get their feedback and get let them understand and remember that in mind about the fact that yeah. this rent increase could potentially cost you a tenant, which could potentially leave you with a void, which could end up costing more. Because we've not taken into account of the refurb as well as potentially, you know, yeah, because we even care. Yeah. So if your tenant's been living you for five years and you have got successive rent increases over these five years, then this one might just push them over the edge. It's all the thing about the straw that breaks the camel's back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been with you for five years, then clearly you've got the wear and tear still to go. So when they move out and you have to say, you know, you might have to replace the carpet or you might have to decorate the property, that's normally taken under normal wear and tear by the tribunal, isn't it? Yeah. So therefore, you could end up having another two or £3,000 bill on top of that, and then where are you left then? It's no longer £240. It's like this will take you about 10 years to recoup that. So then as well, you then have to think about as well, Richard, like exactly what you said. If the tenant did move out at that rate, how easy would it be for you to let it at the new rate and actually keep a tenant more long term or even a higher rate? You said yourself, you know, I spent that money on that property to upgrade it, but I still only gave them a slight rent increase. When they moved on, we then rented it at an even higher rent. So then, yeah. therefore, in that justification, that might have been the right course of action because I took your advice on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but a normal run of the mill, it might not be the right course of action, uh, but it's, it's, down to, it's down to your letting agent being able to advise you of that, that what I call commercial reality. Because the commercial reality, reality yeah, if, somebody's not, if somebody's not got any money to refurbish the property because they have damaged it and potentially they would live there for another five years if you didn't increase the rent, then you've got to think to yourself, it's probably better just leaving them there because the commercial reality is if you've got a lot of money to spend on actually refurbishing this, if they do move out, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more. So the commercial reality is even if you don't like it, even if you don't agree with it, as a commercial reality is, you should leave that tenant in situ at that rate. Yeah, and, I, and like you say, Jim, if you've got a good agent management uh, agent and things, looking after the property has a good relationship and communication with your tenant, they'll be able to advise you, look, this person's not in a position for you to hike up 20, 25 pounds additionally each month. Yeah. You're going to end up pushing them out the door. They've been in there so long, like you say, it's going to cost you X amount, plus you're going to have to relet and things. Commercial reality, like you say, Jim, and we always talk about that. But then again, like you say, if the property then becomes empty and we try to relet this inflated rental price like the, the landlord or investor is looking for, it might make it uncompetitive in the, in the current market. Do you know what I mean? It might, And then it might sit empty and then you've got a big void period where you've obviously lost out on rent as well. Do you know what I mean? So, and all those factors, and you really think, was it really worth the £20 or extra each month in the long run? This is when it comes down to, again, what we say about when you try to let a property and some landlords, and we've had it in the past, haven't we, where a landlord's actually come to us and said, I'm wanting £650 a month for my property. And you're going, but the market's really only about 600 just now. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you, if we work this out again on these numbers, based on that scenario, what we talked about, the reality mm-hmm. is if it takes you a month longer to get another person at £650, then you've lost £650 in rent because you could have got them in, well, £600 rent because you could have got them in sooner, 600 a month yeah. earlier. 
So that £600 that you've lost with the extra 50 would then take you 12 months to recoup that money to break even again at the new rate. Now, mm -hmm. most tenants, correct me if I'm wrong, stay around about two years on average. Um, on average. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we most tenants stay two years on average. So really, you're only going to get the benefit of the, the increase for the following year if you took another month longer. Therefore, you're only going to be up by about £600 after two years. Um, but you're actually taking a gamble, so to speak, because of because of that 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 sort of formula, um, and 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 again, it, it does come down to commercial reality, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. Just that extra twenty five pound, that extra fifty pound a month can actually push somebody over the line, especially when it comes to right now. I hate using this phrase, of course, the living crisis. It's like, yeah. but but it's the only it's the only way people will understand what you're talking about now. You can't really gloss it up as anything else because this is what the, the drama right. everybody's beaten. So unfortunately, you have to go with that sort of scenario. But you know, I don't buy into that. There is no crisis. There's only the crisis in your head, and the money's still out there. You just have to work on a way, another way to attract that same money, um, because it's the same amount of money. It's in circulation. You mm -hmm. just have to make sure it's attracted to you rather than going to someone else. Um, and that's what that's what the laws of attraction are all about. But so there is no really. There's only cost of living crisis in your head and then your reality and the world that you are right now. But you can break out of that social. You can break out of that social structure and that thinking and the way you do things. But again, that's another show. If anybody wants to know how to do that, more than yeah. happy to do that. But we talk about that in the wealth creation shows, the successive ones, and the playlist is on here on this post anyway for yeah. that successive wealth creation shows that you can watch from the very beginning. The first thirty-one episodes that we did before. Which covers in detail and in depth some of the some some of the things that we're just actually summarising right now. So you're right. I mean, you know, with that week or that two week um, extra, and it could be more damaging to try and get that. So therefore, you might actually take your advice and say, well, maybe we should go at six two five and see how we get on, yeah. and then see if the market can bear that. But with the thought processes, if we're not getting inquiries straight away in this type of market, because we're we are still quite limited, aren't we? Yeah. Then we should actually be we should actually be realigning that right now, but but again now and again, Richard, we do get the closing dates, don't we? And we get people yeah. offered more. Um, yeah, I had one just last week, extra well, hundred, and the person yeah. was more than willing without my input to pay an extra hundred pounds a month, which I thought was a really good result. So so what happens is just to explain to people out there for what closing dates in the rental market is. Yeah, is. There's a whole lot of people chasing the same property, exactly like the sort of sales market. They're all in at the 650, for example. Yeah. But you can't decide because every single one of them qualifies for it. So on occasions, uh, people will actually approach us and say, look, I'm prepared to be a wee, a wee bit more to get it. And therefore, that's how we look at it. Like, you know, to be fair on all parties, we just go back to them and say, look, you know, there's a whole lot of people at this level. They all qualify for it. Is it something you really want? And if it is, do you want to propose a rent level for us? It will be it would be acceptable, acceptable to you. Uh, and then that's when you got that scenario where somebody came back and what paid how much a month extra? An extra £100. There you go. Another £1,200 a month. That's straight onto your bottom line as a landlord. Now, that's another way of doing it, um, but we've not asked for that. This has been volunteered by the tenant themselves in order for them to get the property because they desperately wanted it. In that situation, like you say, Jim, uh, and I explained to the landlord, I said, look, we're going to go in at this rent level. Um, I think that's what the property is worth in the current market, looking at comparables and what I know have obviously been let recently. But 
because it was a popular area, I knew we would get a lot of interest. I see that, and we got to this stage where we're down to about three or four candidates that were, that were all referenced up and all equally suitable for the property. And we couldn't, I couldn't really pick um, each anyone individually. Yeah. They then obviously come forward, and I say to her, look, if we're in that situation, one of them they'll come forward and offer maybe to pay extra and whatever. And I didn't even have to push that situation. That was already to come to me, and then I said, and we'll just agree that off market, and then. And she was delighted and so is the tenant because they've got the property because they have been looking for for such a long time that the, obviously the supply of property is still quite low in, compa in comparison to the amount of demand so that was a win-win for everybody um, and that's how that's done so what would happen and you touched on this slightly mm -hmm. um, before that you put forward the rent increase and you say you're giving them three months notice and is there a, is, is is there something that would you know can can the tenant actually say I'm not wanting to pay that you know what would what would happen in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I would I would never try and implement a, a rent increase or a rent level that I thought was unfair or did not really line up with what the current market was dictating. But what, would happen, came, what would happen if it was unfair, or you, or they thought it was unfair? Do they have retribution? Yeah, if a tenant feels like that is unfair, then they can they can take that further. They can pick that up with the tribunal. The tribunal will review the rent level. Yeah. And if they deem that to be an unfair uh, amount, then the tribunal considers it excessive. And then then you then you're in obviously hot water because you'll have a lot of a lot of paperwork and correspondence to deal with to try and justify or explain. And if they don't deem that to be fair, then yeah. you'll, you'll probably be penalised or um, and end up having, and then, and then again, you're losing every money because they will, they will penalise you, and you'll have a charge or whatever they see fit at the time. I mean, there's certain different scenarios that could be implemented, but uh, and again, there's a cost that you've just incurred. So and and you're going to be yeah, and and it's the time involved as well. If somebody says and, and objects to it, so so now based on my experience, my advice would be, and I don't know if you would agree with this. Um, my advice would be this, speak to the tenant first about, you know, coming to an agreement about where they think that uh, is acceptable. Definitely. Right? Definitely. And then you're in a win-win situation. So when you do put that through and say there's a three months, you know, um, uh, then your tenant will just go, yeah, that's fine. We've agreed it prior to this. I, I mean, personally, I've always done that anyway. I've never mm -hmm. done a case where I've just said, well, your rent's going up, take it or leave it. Um, because I don't, I don't think that's necessary and I don't think that's the right way to go about it because then... You, you just kind of create resentment, don't you? And and the point about this, and we talked about this, how to make your property investments more profitable, is we're not focusing on the rent here, and we're talking about the rent quite a lot, but what we are focusing on is occupancy rate, isn't it? Occupancy rate, yeah. And the best way to manage uh, your occupancy rate and have a really good one is to have a really good relationship with your tenant and have a happy tenant. Um, and hiking up the rent without discussing it with them or even just putting them in the picture, like obviously... They might not be aware how the rent market's going at the moment. They don't know that the property property market's busy or rents yeah. have went up. So have that conversation. She look, this is the situation. I was thinking, this is what I'm going to do. You, you would get three months' notice. Is this something you can afford? And they might be like, that's fine. I'm here. I'm happy. You do everything that I ask you to do. I'll happily pay an extra 10, 15, possibly even 20 pounds a month, depending on where the property is or what it is. And then everybody's happy. Everybody's on board and everybody knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, more importantly, at this point in time, Occupancy rate is quite important because, you know, because we are going into difficult times. Yeah. Therefore, you would want to make sure the tenant is looked after. Therefore, because there, there, there is a thought process that um, either more and more landlords will exit the market and there'll be mm -hmm. less 
therefore, you know, your rents will stabilise anyway and there won't be anything to worry about. And potentially they would go up because of supply and demand if you really wanted it to. Or there'll be a low holder of landlords because what will happen is uh, you'll have tenants saying, I tell you what, we go out with each other, let's move in together. And so you have a whole load of properties on the market for rent. So there's more rental stock and supply become available and therefore you'll be keep competing against most people. Now, we talked about this before and nobody really knows about this, but way back when I first started, around about the credit crunch period, around about mid-2000s, uh, we were getting £450 for a two-bedroom flat. Uh, and yet, that never moved from £450, but it actually went down from there, didn't it? Over mm. the successive years, to about £400 for a two bedroom yeah. flat, which was a combination of affordability, but it was also a combination of more people coming into that market because the market moved from about 10% uh, buy-to-let investors to about 19% in buy-to-let investors over that period. So it doubled over that period. So more supply came in and more people started fighting. Other letting agents came into the market at the same time. And they then obviously had no idea about what to do or what to charge. They were charging significantly less. So it became competitive as a result. Yeah, And that's why that never really increased until now that's happening. Because, again, we've got a shortage of supply. So that's what's driving that market right now. And we've got landlords exiting as well, and that's what drives that market as well. But if it comes to it and there's an oversupply again, yes, rent will stabilise, if not come down slightly. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's another thing that people have to make themselves aware of at the fact that there's rents could drop. We'll talk about that in just a minute, why that's important. The tax implications as well. Now, yeah. you, you had said this as well. The tax implications of the financial situation could change if you charge more rent. Now, what I mean on this is you could be on the cusp. Now, section, I think it's section 24 of uh, the uh, Taxes Act or whatever it was. It said basically that you can only deduct um, interest mortgage payments as a, as a tax credit now and no longer deduct it against your income if it's in your own name, if you're self-employed yes. and a private investor. If it's an unlimited company, this this yeah, doesn't yeah. If you're not an unlimited company, yeah. All the interest is deductible. Unless, uh, uh, as long as it's wholly and exclusively for the for the use of the business. But in your own name, what can happen is if you've got maybe 10 properties, for example, I mean, most people are like, wow, 10 properties. But some people out there have them in portfolios. So mm -hmm. if you increase every single one of your portfolio by, say, another £50 a month, you're 600, you're seven, 600 pound a year, but you multiply that by 10 times, there's 6,000 pound. Now that's not 6,000 pound to offset costs against, that's the 6,000 pound rate on the bottom line. Yeah. So when you yeah. think about that 6,000 pound could potentially push you into a higher rate taxpayer if they're in your name, because it's combined with your income as an employee, because most people like that wouldn't be doing it themselves. Yeah. Um, or you've got maybe pensions coming in, from other places that would give you that. So you have to watch you don't push yourself in the higher rate um, because then that has implications because you'll be paying 40% on the marginal difference above that basic rate, uh, but you'll only be getting 20% off. So you'll effectively be paying 20% more tax on that income. Now, you can speak to your accountant if you want more Just information. People could speak to the yeah. right people explain it, but... But in reality, I was an accountant. Yeah, and that makes sure, and and, it, and and I do get that as well. But I just it, it, tax is a bit a difficult one, and people do get a wee bit lost. But there's always somebody out there that could sit down and explain it to you. And, yeah. and even just the smallest increase, I mean, it might not seem significant, but like you say, Jim, 
like you push in that different uh, task uh, category and it could have an impact on your tax return. You just have to double check. It might be the case that you should incorporate right now. Now, I've luckily what I've done recently, just to tell everybody what I've done in, in terms of planning, I've waited for this time to come. <laughs> And I'm gradually transferring my own properties into my limited company. Yeah. So this week, I'll be concluding five of my properties, actually transferring, but buying another one at the same time from someone else. Therefore, I've got six properties, which brings my additional dwelling supplement down. Six properties or more, it's on average and rather than the whole lot. So mm -hmm. rather than pay 24000 in additional dwelling supplement, I'm only paying probably about 3000 because it's over one property when it goes six or beyond. So I've saved on that. It's a great opportunity for me at that time as well, though, because four of these properties are actually still in a loss-making capital gains position. So they'll have a capital loss, but one of these properties has a £45,000 gain. And that offsets now, that Yeah. I'm able to offset it with the four properties of the loss against the gain. The, and then also, what the one of them, the one of them that's got the gain is in the lane's name, I've got a tax allowance for my capital gains, so I could transfer 27% of that property to me, free grass, that's love, favour and affection under the tax rules. Yeah, between, yeah. And I'll get my £12,300 allowance to offset against that, so I've got no capital gains. And the tax, the lost capital gains could be offset against the lane's lost cap, uh, gains uh, themselves, so there's no capital gains in that either. So I've managed to transfer five of these properties basically with no ADS and no capital gains to yeah. the limited company. And that, therefore, has even saved me the tax because the interest-only element was round about £10,000 in interest payments. So I've now saved the marginal difference, which is 20% of that, which is another £2,000 a year by doing yeah. that. And, and, and that's all all above board. Definitely, like that's you're allowed to do that um, without any recourse. So, that's the key about importance of making sure your tax planning is done correctly yeah. and you know what your portfolio is like and how it's structured if it's in your name in order to make that happen for you to exit or or transfer at the right time. Yeah. Now, that was the only one window of opportunity I could make that happen because as far as I'm concerned, everything below 100,000 will probably continue to go up um, in value. Everything above that will start to, you know, level off. Everything that really high will start to level off as well. Um, but I still think under 100,000 is first-time buyer territory. It's still investors' territory. So they'll be extremely popular still um, as a natural result of what's going on, especially when interest rates start to increase. That's mm -hmm. when these become more valuable again. So we've had a restriction of supply. We've had an overpricing as well, which actually has pushed first-time buyers and investors to that market. But now that's going to, that's going to ease off a bit because interest rates are increasing now. It's again pushing first-time buyers and investors to that market. So there's, I'm sure there's a win-win situation for 100000 and below in terms of the pricing. And, and only time will tell if that's the case. I'm convinced that that is the case. Um, so it's a good time to actually hold assets like that and actually still continue to earn income out of it because it's more beneficial for you. But bearing in mind that you have to still bear in mind, and it's always at the back of my mind, Richard, about... Mm -hmm. Patrick Harvey and his proposed capping of the rents in Scotland. Yeah. Always in my mind. Always planning just in case. Make sure that's make sure that's covered. So any decisions I'm making, I'm making sure that affordable rents and the rent levels, which are comparable to the universal credit rates that the government actually approves as part of the rent assessors process. And um, so you have to make sure you've done that as well. 
Um, so and again, that's, that's another top tip for making sure that's in the right place. Um, and again, that's part of your risk analysis, and and you need to obviously in the eventuality that that could happen, make sure that your, your investment will be able to survive changes like that. Well, we come back to the occupancy rates as well, and we come back mm -hmm. to saying like stress test your risks, don't we? Um, yeah. We stress test it, you know, um, stress test it a, a rate where you think, okay, if I only had 50% occupancy, in other words, only mm -hmm. half the year my rental property was occupied, could I actually afford to do that? Could I actually afford? Where will I be if that happens? And if that's if, if, if you're breaking even at that point, you're in a really good position. Yeah. Yeah, another, another one that we uh, stress test and things on is changes in mortgage rates and, and things as well. Um, so let's, we, we, we could talk about mortgage rates and lending as well. Because um, obviously finding the right rate uh, or finding the best rate is essential. Um, yeah. But it might not always be the cheapest one that's right. And we've done a lot of demonstrations on that, Jim, where it's not just the, the, the one with uh, no, no fixed fee um, and uh, the, the lowest percentage. And it might just be the one that's right for you or your investment objectives or your individual um, circumstances. So you need to really know what you're looking for or have the right person who is obviously sourcing that for you, which would be a mortgage advisor. Yeah, maybe we should maybe we should just explain to people, you know, out there. So when they're watching, at the you know what that is and stress test and just uh, yeah. and just give them a wee rundown. I'll share the screen uh, for yeah. the one I've got my spreadsheet, my my trusted. Uh, now you can get a copy of this spreadsheet, guys. Um, if you just email Richard, his details are in this post, so you can get a copy of this spreadsheet if you want to go through it. But ultimately, this is what we're looking at in terms of stress testing. So we've got a typical property now. Let's look at the one I've just bought, eighty-five thousand. Yeah. Now, the one I've just bought, 85000 I'm clearly not going to pay ADS on this, but I tell you what, I'll leave the ADS where it is because that's important. Um, so I wouldn't have paid that really because of the way I've done it. Yeah. So mortgage rates just now, what are mortgage interest rates looking at just now in terms of limited companies? Uh, can I have a quick look? Well, um, talk, talk amongst yourself. Well, how do we look like? um, I think we're, we're still around about the, the 3.4. Yeah, let's look at the mortgage work. So I'll, I'll quickly look at that, copy um and and i'll put that up on another screen just so i can share it and so if everybody knows what i'm doing here in terms of the mortgage works and i'll look at that so we'll get the mortgage works and i'll pop that into the i'll, I'll unshare that now and i'll share the mortgage works right now and let you see that what i'm doing here so you see so there's the mortgage works and i'll look at this no so i'm looking at um uh, calculators uh, i didn't want to do broker charts or anything I just want to do products, um, product finder. Here we go. Um, job done. You see that? Okay, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually go for Vitality Limited Company because in your in your own name, it's a lot less. So I kind of think Vitality Limited Company is probably the way to go, just because you know it's higher. If you if you stress test at that level, then you know it's uh, it's okay. So you can tick every single box. Just tick every single box because you really want a really multitude of, of choices here. Um, about what you want to do. Now, if you're doing parts and remortgaging, obviously you'll need to do it further advanced. There's other things as well, but I tick every single box to see what the rates are for each different one. Um, so you look in there. I, I mean, there are all there are other lenders are available <laughs> just to qualify that. Um, <laughs> but you can see here in terms of the mortgage works, you've got a typical buy to let. Um, let's see if we can see a five year job. Uh, 4.19. Um, you've got two years you can get Eight percent loan to value at three point eight nine. You've got seventy five percent at three point seven four. Um, so you've got all these different ones, uh, three point seven four. So 
could we uh, could we really agree on what four point four point three nine? Three nine, yeah. I was just going to yeah, say over five years. Four point three nine over five years. Let's jump back to the spreadsheet now. Four point three nine over five years, because um, we like to fix for certainty uh, potentially. Uh, four point three nine. I said, yeah. Yeah. So five years arrangement fee that was that was a, a thousand pounds right, 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 one percent to one point five i'll just adjust this to try and get it to, yeah there you go closest damn it um so what am i getting for rent for this three bedrooms in glen office now are 650 although yeah i know i'm getting some 50 for this one <laughs> we are getting a slightly bit more right. well if anybody wants to know how we're managing to get 750 pounds for this one uh, just message richard direct and he'll tell you how this is all done um, because we've maximized the rent out of this based on the the makeup of the household that we've got in here uh, so we're maximizing that at 750 pound and um, so effectively you're talking about a 13 percent net return here um, if you look at the bottom here, right here on your investment, but I'm actually not paying EDS, so really that's about a 15% net return. Well, hey, exactly what I expected. Um, I always go for 15% net returns, uh, and then that's building in 30% overheads as well down here, and you can see it in that bottom or the middle right hand on your screen. Um, and uh, and normally at a gross yield level, that's the total rent divided by the total purchase price. Um, it's 10%, but because I'm using the bank's money, that leverages up to 26.5% before the overheads are taken off. Make sense? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so let's change that back to 650 because that's what we're going to uh, plan everything on because that's the going rate just now. Um, now, this is what we talk about in terms of occupancy rate. So if you can go down to six months, see there, I'm still making a profit down here and the net profit. Mm -hmm. After overheads of thirty percent, thirty percent of top line income, which covers your letting agent, it also covers any repairs you need to do. Not a huge amount of repairs, like big refurbs, but it will cover the basic repairs um, uh, to run in, and, and insurance and stuff like that. You would pay every year. Uh, we've got a great insurance provider, by the way. I just recently changed my insurance provider. We're now promoting these people. So if you want uh, better insurance or less less expensive, I don't like saying cheaper less expensive insurance then contact richard again because we've got a yeah. new provider uh, shaved a third off my insurance bill which effectively to me is three thousand pound a year extra now that really is the same coverage and it goes straight in my pocket three three thousand pound so again it gives me for me three thousand pounds like a bathroom or potentially a kitchen mm -hmm. and then get it fitted so pay for the extra fitting um, so that's how I look at things how much is that it's no three thousand pound in my pocket it's three thousand pound to do something else to the stock um, so the, the savings that I make are, are effectively uh, allowing me to improve my stock as I go. Um, so that's why it's important to do that. So we're at 2619. If we change that to six months, we're breaking even. There you go. Minus £110. So we're just on break even. So we can yeah. afford to have a 50% occupancy, have your property empty for 50% or filled 50% of the year, and you'll still manage to get by on that scenario. Because um, you're and still... It's very rare it. that you'll have this lower occupancy rate. I know. I know, but you have to pay eventualities. Um, yeah, well, a flood, but then your insurer would cover that if you've got mm -hmm. the right insurance. Um, but I'm just saying on tolerance level, um, you can go down to 50% in that scenario and occupancy rate and still be okay. Um, that then leaves you the scope um, to look at the um, rent. What happens if we could only rent this as a two-bedroom? What would be the rate for, the rate for a two-bedroom? Two-bedrooms, uh, probably about 575. So 575 for a two-bed. Therefore, we're still making a decent return, about 9% uh, net return. 
So again, and then even even if you say, I tell you what, occupancy rate and increase re, reduced rent. So within eight months, we're still breaking even at eight yeah. months. So three quarters of the year is that, or is it two thirds of the year? Two thirds of the year, I you can afford. So a third of the year can you afford to be empty at a two bedroom rate, and you'll still break even. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you might not spend all these overheads either. All these overheads might not be spent because it's a letting agent plus. There's factors built in for repairs. You might not need to do repairs because it might be a brand new property. You might have completely mm -hmm. refurbed it. Um, so that's another tolerance threshold here. Um, then, uh, worst case scenario, we could only get a one bed person in there. How much? I'll keep it at four fifty. Four fifty for a one bed. You're still making money. You're still making a four percent net return. Um, what do you make in the bank? Uh, zero. Um, you're still making four percent. This is before the capital is appreciated. This is a four percent net return before the capital is appreciated. So capital is appreciating over the years, and it does over the last twenty years. Property prices have gone up one hundred and seventy percent. I'll say that again. The last twenty years, property prices have gone up one hundred twenty, one hundred seventy percent. In the last two years, they've gone up in five twenty four percent. So is it fair to say we might actually, on average, over the years, increase by five percent every year? Yeah. Yeah, and your money sitting in the bank won't do that. Yeah, so effectively, in that scenario, on a one-bedroom rate over ten years, a five percent increase, you're still getting a return on investment. And a look here of two hundred and twenty-three percent on your money over the ten-year period. Yeah. What do you get in the bank? Sorry, what do you get in the bank? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> zero. I put two zeros because even one zero is the same as two zeros. You can put loads of zeros there, but if you've not yeah. got any ones or numbers after it or before it, then you're screwed. You're still getting zero. So this is why it makes it the best asset class ever to invest in. So the likelihood of you getting a one-bedroom out of this, a three-bedroom, is pretty remote, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So with that scenario, we're back at the 650 rent, and we're back at the 4% ADS, and we're back at the 12% occupancy rate. Um, and and effectively, you're you're about a ten percent net return. I think it is. We're sitting on there. Yeah, ten percent net return on your money. The only money you've got in is twenty six thousand six hundred and fifty in here, which is your legal fees here, plus maybe a wee bit smoke detectors, heat detector, EICR that you had to do. If you've got one like me, you never need. I mean, my legal fee was effectively about seven hundred quid, because this is a rental already, and I'm just taking yeah. over from someone else, and they're exiting the market. So that's the classic example. So your deposit plus your ADS plus your legals is that 26650 and you're making 9.8% on it, which is effectively, if you didn't do anything, you just made that all the time, is a 10-year payback on your initial investment. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Plus you've got the appreciation, which is yeah. 42000 over 10 years. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. I defy, anybody, I defy anybody to tell my property investment's not the best thing since sliced bread. Eh? <laughs> it's like I've still got people on TikTok saying, I would never touch property investment. It just doesn't make enough money. And I'm like, what? Are you delusional? Yeah, and I mean, all the time, Richard, every day, day in, day out, it pays your rent while the price goes up in value. Mm -hmm. What other asset class does that? Gold, silver, crypto certainly doesn't do that. None of them do that. You're, you're on a guess. We said it the other, the other week. Warren Buffett actually said since gold was measured in prices, it's only ever gone up 0.1% in appreciation over all the time up to now, every mm -hmm. single year, 0.1%.
Oh, and it doesn't pay you any money either. So how are you hedging yourself against inflation when you buy gold? It's beyond me. It's not. No. Delusional. But people think, I've got gold. I'm rich. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Anyway, so we talk about mortgage rates, finding a rate that suits you. Um, what, what, what you got to say on that, Richard, then? You know, find a rate that suits you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, looking for the right rate as essential and find one that suits your individual objective and, and, and circumstance and, and property and things and what you expect to achieve from letting that property and what your returns think are. So yeah. your mortgage rate and what that is is very important. I mean, if you're aiming to do things like, if you're aiming for capital growth, then you get a mortgage that offers a higher loan to value um, so that your property covers its costs and won't necessarily provide uh, much income beyond that. But if you want to create income, you need a low mortgage rate uh, to boost it so that will boost your income. Um, and that, that's what we talked about, isn't it? I mean, that five-year deal we've put in there fixes yeah. you for five years. So if you, I mean, it's likelihood, as they're saying, that interest rates might go up another, another. I'm not saying points, because points 1%, but yeah. another few times, but you're only talking about quarter percent hikes. Um, they're likely that that's going to be the case. But if you're locked in a five-year deal, then you've got certainty at, that, at these figures. Um, so it gives you enough... Uh, um, it gives you enough um, uh, conviction to then mm -hmm. forecast and extrapolate where you're going to be and what you should invest in next and what money you've got to actually invest in later. And um, because if you can fix as much as possible and make it certain, this is what I always say. Most people actually say to me, "It's like how on earth do you take so much a risk?" I went, "I don't. No, I'm, I know the outcome before I've started the journey." Yeah, and and that, look at that, that one I've just done the now. Yeah, look at that one I've just done the now. I know what the rent is right now. I know what I'm financing at. I know what my I know what the occupancy rate is going to be for this property. There's almost certainty there, um, and so that's why I, that's why it's easy for me just to say I'll invest in that. No bother. I mean, yeah. you're coming and moving with this one, um, and you're like, oh my god, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's like, and I'm going, are you nuts? <laughs> and it, that's what I mean. And it's crazy because it's as you've just demonstrated it there, even at that lower rent level and things that it's a certain investment with we've, we've risk assessed it, and you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, but unless you're going to just crack on and, and trust the facts, you can't um, lose. It's yeah. like, how on earth can you lose there? Yeah, you can go right down to a one bedroom rate and still make money on a three bedroom property. Yeah, that's I mean, that's mental. And you could you could go down to a two bedroom rate and you can go down to two thirds of your occupancy, which is very, very rare. Our average occupancy in five properties is what 99% when we measured it. I think it was, uh, that's, 90, that's the occupancy rate, 99%. I think it was 98. So, so I kind of see a, a point, and that's always been my occupancy rate as well. You know, it's been up that high as a result. I mean, you know, there was times where it was challenging, you know, but that was a way beyond be, before. Um, yeah. And we knew why that was, because it needed a huge refurb to some of my stock for that reason. But the other ones offset that, and therefore the occupancy rate at that time was about 95%. Um, so... That's the only time you're ever going to have that less. Uh, Buy-to-let mortgage is definitely one you can save on, though. Shop around with buy-to-let lenders. I know we've mentioned about the mortgage works, but shop around. There's a Birmingham mid-charge. We've got good mortgage brokers. We can put you in touch with good mortgage brokers as well who know what they're doing, who are... And the broker that we put you in touch with actually is in this business themselves. So they keep their ears to the ground as well and constantly monitor the rates to see how competitive it is for them to actually move to the right rates as well. So they've got exactly the same opinion. The great thing is, 
being involved with this is you've got somebody that's 30 years at this and does it actively still now. I'm doing it all the time, investing in property. So I keep mm-hmm. me at the ground and I know exactly what's going on, how it's happening, where it's going, where legislation's going as well, because I need to keep abreast of that. So that's what you've got somebody on the on the ball with this. You've also got a letting agent has got 12 years under his belt, which is yourself, Richard, yeah. that had learned from me all these years and successively and still learns right now. And I, and I do as well. And then you've got mortgage brokers who are actually in this business as well, who actually are on that, they're on the ball with the, the rates as well because they have to do it for them as well. So having all these key people in your mastermind group, because that's what effectively it is, helps you maximize your return on investment without actually having to keep saying this one club approach about, I tell you what, let's just keep increasing the rent and squeezing the tenant for as much as possible. Because if you can get the better rate, you can get a higher occupancy rate, you can keep your, your risk down as well. It makes a huge overall difference. What are the things to consider though when actually seeking mortgage providers, Richard? Yeah, I mean, you do still need to consider, speak to all the right people, but you do need to consider and take into account when you're seeking a mortgage provider that there are certain properties that can be reduced finance. Um, And these could include ex-local authorities, um, flats um, and excessive, like if on higher floors, sometimes that's something that comes into it, um, or sometimes if they're above or adjacent to commercial uh, premises and things as well. Some lenders are a bit iffy about that, aren't they? I mean, yes. you know, one of the ones that are, I'm on that west with some of my ones because they're over commercial properties and no one else would do that because they're, mm-hmm. they're, the other mortgage providers are like, oh, well, that could change to a takeaway. Um, but the ones that are mine, are, mine are over is actually a solicitor's premises. Um, and I kind of remember what the other one is that I had, um, where that's over. But that's another one that's over a commercial property. But it's no big deal to me, but it is a big deal to a buy-to-let mortgage provider. So you've got to watch with that. Um, ex-council houses, they're all right mainly with the houses. It's the flats they, they get nervous about mm-hmm. um, for some reason. So they make sure that the flats are at a higher value, um, which is which is daft, considering you're trying to maximise the return. Why would you then want to have a mortgage at a higher value? This is what I've experienced all my life with lenders. It's like, no, no, we're not wanting you to buy a house at 30 grand and make you know, like £600 rent out every single every single month, which is effectively a huge net return. Uh, we want you to buy something at 100000 and make £600 a month out of it. Sorry? Why would I do that as an investor? But that's their criteria. Computer says no, I see it. So you're absolutely right as well. The flats with the excess number of floors, you know, five or above. Um, and also in the block, which I came across, I have uh, Mill Street, I've yeah. got Platform and I've got Birmingham Midshires because Platform wouldn't take on more than two and Birmingham Midshires was the same as well. Mm-hmm. And so I had to have two different providers for there because they, they didn't want exposed to, because there was eight in the block, they didn't want exposed to four, 50% of the block. Mm-hmm. I mean, the block's part of a huge development, so it's not exactly standalone. Um, but they just didn't want that. So you've got to watch for things like that as well. So choosing the right mortgage and getting the right property is key. And again, I keep coming back to just to say, for anybody out there that's listening to this, speak to you first yeah. about your about the thing. We're not out there to nick your idea from you. You know, if you come to us with a property and say, we're making that, I'm going to get this return, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get this, I'm not going to say, oh, I'll go and quickly buy it. That's not what we're here for. We're here to give you the best advice on what you yeah. need to do next. Because, and this is the upsell to us, you might want us to manage it. That's oh, all it comes yeah. down to. And you're going to pay somebody else to manage it. You may as well have somebody who knows what they're talking about. 
Yeah, so I'll yeah, guarantee yeah. you, none of the rest of them know what they're talking about because I know them all. <laughs> and most of them that have been in it for a wee bit longer always used to come to me for the advice. Yeah, I mean, so I know that. <laughs> we've spent a lot of time and resource over the years, Jim, making sure that we are as knowledgeable as we can about the legislation, about how things are done correctly, uh, being part of the right uh, organisations that, that police that and, and kind of keep you on track. We've, we were part of the first group in Scotland to pass the Letwell training and things and be Letwell certified. Um, but I do feel finding the right agent um, who has a really good track record, who can demonstrate good knowledge uh, um, of, the, of the local market and obviously the legislation is so important. Um, and, and I think you should really put your, or, or any potential agent that you plan on using, put them to the test and, and test their knowledge. Uh, and if you don't know the answers to some of the things, then it's a red flag. And I would, I would challenge anybody to ask me a question about the local I tell you, market or, or legislation. A great one for anybody out there to challenge their existing lightning. Say to them, should I use a PRT or a shorter tooth tenancy? <laughs> and I'll tell you, if they, if, they, if they have to think about that, they've, they've not got a clue what they're talking about because the PRT is the only one you can ever use now. You can't yeah. use shorter tooth tenancies anymore. Yeah. Tenancies that are still in place from pre-December 2017 will have a, a short assured tenancy in place and that's fine if the tenancy gets renewed for any reason if there's a change in circumstances or the property is empty and then needs relay from that point as a private residential tenancy which is rolled out by the scottish government another one is what other ones should I, what smoke detectors and heat detectors do i need yeah you know, the other one as well prob probably what i do i need do i need something for electrics or gas or anything like that that's a classic because yep. you need an EICR, which is a proper approved electrician's actually signed it off as, as yep. competent to let and passed the, the electricity. And you also need a gas safe certificate. Now, that's a proper oh. gas engineer registered yeah. with gas safe to do that as well. Um, you also need Legionella testing. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't need to be done. Ah, here's another one to catch your letting agent out. How often should I need a Legionella testing done? Now, I going to give you the answer. <laughs> And the answer to this is, and if a letting agent says you should really do it every year, that's not factually correct. No. The Legionella testing should be done once because it's a risk analysis. We were only we were only dragged into this under the Care Homes Act. Yeah. Because we got dragged into this and had to do Legionella testing because of it. So because we have to do it now, you have to make sure it's it's well, you answered that question, Richard. It, it needs to be done. Vanilla. It needs to be done initially on the property. Like you say, it's a risk analysis. It needs to be done. They recommend you do it every two years. And it's only the recommendation, isn't it? Yes. But some letting agencies are look at a, a license to print money. You need to lead another testing done every single year. No. Um, so that's another one you would be able to cash somebody out with. Yep. You, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really beating other Latin agents, possibly. <laughs> well, I think, I think but, it's... But it really good. rubs me up the wrong way. It does rub me up the wrong way as a landlord, seeing other people having to pay that day and day, you know, year in, year out. And it's like, wait a minute, you don't need to pay this. This is not, this is an advisory thing. You get it done once. When your tenant, when your agent goes around to do their half yearly inspections or quarterly inspections or yearly inspections, they should be advising on the Legionella when they're around there just to make mm. sure they're strengthening that position. Because I'll tell you, I've not had any case where anybody's died of Legionella testing in a private rental property. It's been one since that began, since time one, began. Yeah, there's one case in Scotland in the last 20, just about 25 years actually now. Yeah, and it's never had 
anything before until about maybe five years ago to do that. And another thing that uh, is the impending changes to energy performance certificate things and energy uh, performance rate and what's what's the right rate for being able to let a property when that has to change and things. That's a good yeah. one because they should know that. Definitely. So my point here is there's other ways to be more profitable by actually making sure you're 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 doing the right things and having the right costs. Yeah. Uh, making sure you've got the right advice. Get more quotes. I mean, we've had it as well. We've got main contractors that do stuff for us, but now and again we go, we're going to get a quote from someone else to see just to see they're on the ball and just to see they're doing right. And 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 a few times we've actually caught them out and gone, wait a minute, they're actually advising us to do this. So why are you advising us to do this? Yeah. Why is your bill so high? And it's like, uh, 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 well, that's you off now. <laughs> but why? <laughs> that's you no longer working for us. We've caught you out. Um, so, you know, that's the type of things we do. We love to work with people. And don't get me wrong, if you're a contractor, right, we love to work with you. But we'll make sure, damn sure that our private landlords, investors are, are looked after and their costs are actually under control. So therefore, they can reinvest their their profits in, in the actual property you have to make money this is profit shouldn't be seen as a bad word here you have to make yeah. a profit to reinvest if you don't make a profit you can't reinvest therefore you can't get new kitchens you can't get new bathrooms you can't upgrade things you can't do IECRs. you can't do anything like that you can't do anything for your tenant and so you have to make a profit to do that um but there, this is why we talk about this, to make it more efficient for you in terms of occupancy rate, in terms of risk, in terms of everything else that goes with it, in terms of, now, this is the last one I'll talk about here quickly before we finish off. You're letting agents costs. Yeah. It's a misconception here. People go, oh, I'm not paying your 12%. I can get it for 10. Bye. It's like, because effectively, when you work out the extra you're paying, it's like 12 quid a month extra. You're, you're going to risk 12 quid a month extra to get somebody that knows what they're talking about, to get a month in. Think about that. If you if you get a bit of really good letting agents on the ball, everybody goes to and he's got all the knowledge or she's got all the knowledge, and they can rent your property within a faster period for a month, there's 450 quid. You're trying to save yourself 2%, which effectively is round about £12. Okay? You've saved yourself £12, which is £144 a year, but it's cost you £450 because that letting agent you went with at your cheaper rate couldn't let the property, plus the fact all the hassle that you get in between because they're probably not up to speed on what they're doing. So that's another one you've got to watch out for. I'm going to leave it to you to finish off, Richard, because that's us at the end of the time. Boy, I, I mean, like, like you say, Jim, the level of expertise and knowledge that a good agent has is worth its weight in gold. Uh, yeah. If you're going to pay a wee bit extra for it. But I think... Um, generally, when we go back to the, the topic of the day, I think really think about commercial reality um, and your tenant who's in place and keeping them there if that's going to be the right thing. Don't push them at the door unnecessarily. Absolutely. I would 100% agree. Great advice, Richard. And on that note, it's bye-bye from him. Bye-bye from him. <laughs> See you later, guys, for next week's Wealth Creation Show. Bye.